This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. The first pitch on its way. Swing and a line drive left side of the infield. Fielded by Wendell. He made the catch. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. And they're on their way to the American League Championship Series as they knock off the New York Yankees 2-1. to one. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. Just a swing and a drive, hit well on the air towards right. Mookie Betts going back to the wall. Gone! A first-inning homer for Randy Arozarena, number 10 of the postseason. It's one nothing Rays. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good morning and welcome to our show. Today we visit with Drew Rasmussen about starting. We'll chat about the week that was with Brian Anderson of Bally Sports Sun. Prospect Ian Seymour will discuss his first year in the race system. First base coach Ozzie Timmons talks base running and outfield play. We'll be joined by race executive Denard Spann to discuss a great event that you can attend at Tropicana Field. And we'll discuss the playoff races with Kevin Burkhart of Fox Sports. We continue on This Week in Race Baseball, and Drew Rasmussen, our featured guest. And first of all, uh, welcome to the program. Tell me how quickly or how long it took before you felt comfortable in your new home. You know, being traded is a really hard process, uh, especially people don't get to see the backside of things. You know, my wife really struggled. She had just made a bunch of friends in Milwaukee. She had just gotten our apartment finished getting set up. And, you know, I called her and, you know, we had made, family had made plans to come see us and all that kind of stuff in Milwaukee. And I called her while we were on the road in Cincinnati and said, look, here's the deal. I just got traded to Tampa, which after 2017, we just kind of wrote off Tampa being a club that I would be with early on in the process, at least. But I said, look, this is what happened. Got traded to Tampa. Um, It's going to be a great opportunity. That's what everyone tells you about trades. I didn't really know exactly what that meant, but everyone was telling me, oh, you're going to love it. It's going to be awesome. It's a great opportunity to grow as a player and a person. And so they gave me about 48 hours to go home, help her pack up the apartment and, and get on the road to go meet Durham because I was immediately optioned and it might have taken 24 hours in Durham to realize that the guys there and the organization were great and you know they they cared a lot about me as a person a lot about me my development as a player and everyone down there was great like I said and then uh, I was with them for about three weeks and I got called up to join the team in Seattle and once again it took day one of being with the guys here at this uh, at the big league level to realize that this is also a great clubhouse. It's a great coaching staff. It's a great the front office is great. Uh, they went out of their way in Durham to make sure I was happy, to make sure that my needs were being met. And then as soon as I got I got called up, it just continued. So uh, like I said, it didn't take long. The initial feeling was you know sadness because you have a bunch of friends in an organization, and you know I thought I was with an organization that loved me and and, and valued me extremely high and then you know you get told hey you know it's it's over with us and 
you're going to get a new beginning. But like I said, it didn't take long. And, and my wife, like I said, bless her heart, she she did a lot of hard work to get us here. And she's been able to make a lot of great friends. And, and she she loves being here as well. So it didn't take long. But the, the initial feeling was sadness. And, and now we're really happy we're here. I want to touch on some of that. First, the fact that you felt so welcomed. And mm-hmm. we in the real world don't get traded from job to job. So what made you feel welcome? What types of things did you see that emotionally, you know, immediately said, this is a good place for me? Just, I, I don't know exactly how they do it, but the front office here does a great job of getting good people. Not, I mean, of course, good ball players, and, and you see the product of that on the field at just about every level, if I'm, if I'm correct. I'm pretty sure the AAA team's in first place, and, and so is high A and, and low A, and then what we're doing here in the big leagues. So clearly, talent evaluation is great. But getting to meet the players and the coaching staff in Durham, you, you, you know, you understood that they were all high character people and, and they were really pulling for each other. It wasn't my success is my success. You know, it was my success is our success. That's how we're winning games. And I think to have, I mean, this is a business and, and there is an individualistic side to your career. But when you get to an atmosphere where winning is is the number one goal and everyone is pulling to win and they're willing to put their numbers aside to help a team win on an individual night. It's really easy to uh, ingratiate yourself just in, into that and, and, and believe, you know, that, hey, I am where I'm supposed to be and, and I want I want to be here to win. And they do that at every level. You played at a great college program at Oregon State. How similar and different is it from being in college, the way the guys play for one another? Obviously, pitches are called from the dugout. There's a lot of strategy that's different. But in terms of the clubhouse environment, how close is it to college? Yeah, like you said, college baseball and professional baseball are very different games. There's a lot of different strategy, a lot of different – a lot of players are in different parts of the development process. But, you know, being in a clubhouse that that enjoys winning so much is very similar. In college – you're all pulling for one common goal, and that's to uh, win a College World Series at Oregon State. At least that is the goal. That is the expectation, and that's what you know every player goes there to do. But then in pro ball, things get weird when you know you start getting a salary based on it, and it becomes a job. But as soon as I got over here, one of the first things I realized is you know the the atmosphere isn't a whole lot different than it was in college. There is you know an innocence and a purity to wanting to win first, and understanding that. The off-the-field stuff will take care of itself so long as you are here for the right reasons. And uh, it's really cool. It's awesome to see, you know, a group of 26, 20, I mean, I guess you look at our team and it's much more than that. But you you have a big extended family here that is here to do one thing and one thing only, and that's win. And and like I said, everything else takes care of itself, which makes playing a lot more fun and it, it makes, you know, life a lot easier and there's a lot less stress because all I have to do is execute and, and try and help the 26 guys who are on the field that day win a game which is certainly awesome and you mentioned the support of your wife stevie now when did you first meet and has she been with you through you went through two tommy john surgeries through your rehabs too yeah so at oregon state freshman baseball players come in about a month and a half before fall semester start or fall term starts and so i'd been in corvallis for about a month and a half but i met her the day she moved into her dorm uh one of my college roommates knew one of her college roommates and we started hanging out. So, I mean, we dated all four years of college and were engaged basically right after graduation. And then uh, we were engaged for about two years and married in November of 2020. So walk us through your Tommy Johns and how helpful she was 
in terms of the support because that actually went into the fact that you didn't end up signing yeah. with the Rays when you were drafted in 17, right? Yeah. So in Mar- at the end of March of 2016, I had my first one as a sophomore, and it was really hard. It was the first time that I had ever lost, you, you, you know, I, there's people you love, and I hadn't lost you know any of them and and other than that baseball was all I really knew and all I really did on a day in and day out basis and so to have that stripped away and look at the recovery process was really tough on me and and unfortunately I probably leaned on Stevie a little too much it was really hard on her too but she uh she's super strong and 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 she's tough as tough as they come so uh she was able to uh bear the load that like I said uh I, I leaned a little too much and uh so we made it through there, and things were looking up in 2017 and ended up getting drafted. And unfortunately, you know, we went to the College World Series at Oregon State. Like I said, a lot of winning that went on when I was there, which was awesome. And uh, drafted in the first round by here by Tampa, and, and unfortunately I failed my physical, and no, there was no uh, contract negotiation that went on after that. And so uh, I didn't get the opportunity to join the organization then, uh, and, and that the rehab process of going through the second Tommy John, which is the reason I wasn't able to sign, wasn't nearly as hard as it was the first time on me. The first time, you know, it was it was a lot of stress. I didn't understand what was happening. Things didn't feel right, but I also didn't know that because I was going through it for the first time. But the second time, I felt good the entire time, and the rehab process kind of took care of itself physically. But mentally, you know, you work really hard to get to play college baseball then in college baseball you work really hard to get the opportunity to play professional baseball and I mean I was here in Tampa ready to sign my professional contract and get my professional career going when I had the MRI that said hey look man you've blown out your elbow and uh, Dr. Eaton was the one who uh, put my MRI up on the screen and I saw it and you know it was so fresh in my mind I knew exactly what it said and and I also was you know I'd been through this process before, so if a doctor has to put the MRI up on the screen, probably not the best thing. Usually, usually if it's good news, they just come in and give you the good news. And and so there was, you know, there was a little bit of frustration at first, but, you know, I just put my head down and decided, you know, I'm still going to make this dream come true. I'm still going to play professionally, and, and, you know, I've got the talent to play at the big league level, and I'm still I'm going to get back to there. And, and it was probably about a two-year process before I was actually all the way back. And uh, But now things are going pretty well. They are incredibly well, and I want to touch on that too. You said at the time, though, when you got to the Rays, there was no acrimony. There was no bitterness with the Rays in terms of the way handled, they handled it. How did they handle it? Because that's got to be one of the hardest things to do to say, sorry, but we can't. And for you, it had to be hard. I mean – a, in 2017, it was the first time I met Eric uh, Neander, and it was the first time that I had met a lot of the front office staff, and they were all great people, you know, and they did, they made it very clear, they were extremely honest, which I respect, about everything that was going on, and the fact that professional baseball is a business, and you, unfortunately, you can't, basically, you can't purchase an asset that, that isn't worth its value, and so... I understood that, um, you know, it's it's just how this game goes, unfortunately, and everyone everyone goes through struggles in this game. It's not like anyone's had the easiest road ever and, and, and made it uh, without a couple hiccups in the way. But like I said, it was easy to know. It was easy to know that there's good people here, and they actually hooked me up with Dr. Keith Meister, who awesome guy. I mean, he still texts me to this day, and you know, he's pretty renowned sir, you know, ortho ortho surgeon, and so. For him to take time out and just check in every, you know, six weeks or so, just want to make sure I still feel good, want to make sure, and we're four years past surgery. So, you know, that's it just speaks to his character and, and how good of a man he is and, and how good he is at his job. 
but without the raise, I wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to have surgery with him and, and, and go through the, re- the rehab that he suggests and, and, and get to this place here that I'm at now. And then when I got over here, every single person that I feel like I had to have a hard conversation with in 2017, you know, they made sure to come up and just say, like, look, we're sorry about what happened. We're sorry about how it happened, uh, you know, but we couldn't be more excited that you're, you're here with us again. And, I mean, as far as I can tell, they've done nothing but, you know, make me happy and, and, and they go out of their way to make sure all my needs are met, which is awesome. And it, like I said, it just goes to show the character of the people, A, in the front office and in the clubhouses here. I can't say that everything's perfect, right? But you actually threw a perfect game when you were a freshman at Oregon State. Where does that rank in terms of your baseball accomplishments or do the big, does the big league stuff surpass that? Uh, I mean, that was a great day. And it was one of it, it will always be one of my favorite memories of the game of baseball for me. But I mean, there's some other things that I've done. I got to pitch in the postseason in Dodger Stadium. I know it was 2020 and there weren't any fans. So it wasn't, you know, what it should have been, but it was or what it could have been, I should say. But it was still a great experience. And there's just been a lot of great things to happen to me along the way, I would say. Winning a College World Series, being on a team that won a College World Series was another awesome moment in my life and getting to play in the College World Series, stuff like that. This game's really fun when you win, and winning makes a lot of things better, and I've had the opportunity to do that a lot at just about every level. And so, uh, yes, the perfect game is pretty high up on that list for me, and it always will be, but I don't know if I would say that's you know my favorite memory. It's kind of an individualistic thing. Uh, I really like team success because it's really hard to get a locker room to come together and put out a product that wins day in and day out. Um, and so when you can get a group that meshes like that together, I think, you know, like I said, other people's success is my success now. And you start to care about the other guys that are in the clubhouse with you and, and you share all day, every day with. And so I like to see that. I like I like winning more necessarily than individualistic uh, achievements. So how much do you like the celebrations here then? Oh, it's awesome. And it happens. I mean, it seems just about every single day. I mean, we celebrate winning. And that's I think that's what makes this place so special. You know, no game is is taken for granted. No win is taken for granted. And I think we understand that winning in this league is hard no matter who you're playing against. There's a bunch of good talent in the other dugout. And and so wins should be celebrated. And it's also nice knowing that on days that I'm not at my best, there's 25 other guys that are going to pick me up and and take care of my shortcomings and help, like I said, help us win. And post-game, you get to celebrate. I mean, it's, it's something that should never be overlooked. Well, it's great to have a conversation with you about winning, and hopefully winning is a big part of the future for you and Stevie here with the Rays. And you've been in a part of a College World Series. Hopefully a World Series championship is yeah, part of your future to here, that. too. I would love to get more rings. That is Drew Rasmussen, and we'll continue right after this on This Week in Rays Baseball. This is the Rays Baseball Network. Neil Solon's with you on This Week in Rays Baseball. Time to take a look now at the week on by. Joining us from Valley Sports Sun is Brian Anderson. B.A., how are you this morning? Uh, Neil, I am fantastic. Day baseball coming off of a, a, a resounding win last night. It didn't look good early on. Couldn't be better. Well, is does any win, I mean, with this group, 40 comeback wins now, I guess every game you could say, well, it didn't look good early on, but how many times have we said <laughs> that? And then it ends up as a W. Yeah, and you know what? You never panic with this team. And, and the key is that they never panic. Um, you know, that this is a team that they, they believe in themselves. Um, they believe that they're never out of it. I have said this before, um, and I know other people feel the same way that, that have spent a lot of time watching this team, 
is I really can't remember, you know, even teams that I played on that have played through 27 outs as consistently hard as this team. I mean, even to the point where the game that they were losing 20 to 1 going into the ninth inning, they still put up a, a, a ton of runs. And there was no way you were going to come back and win that, but they still didn't mail it in. And, and I think that right there just shows you the type of team that you're dealing with. And as soon as they got means out of the game, you know, my initial thought was, okay, do they do it now or is it the eighth or the ninth? Because they're going to do it. They're going to get to that Oriole bullpen and they're going to pull this out. When is it going to be? And, and sure enough, two in the seventh, two in the eighth, and it's over. And with that, they are now 17-1 and one against the Baltimore Orioles. How hard is what they are doing? I mean, they can tie the record for most wins against any club in any regular season today with a victory. How difficult is it to beat a team 18 times in a regular season? It's, I think it's tough to do that in just neighborhood baseball. You're talking about Major League Baseball. And, and while um, you, know, you can make the case that the Baltimore Orioles are not a true Major League team, Still, a hot pitcher means last night for the first, you know, five, six innings. He, he was as good as we have seen him in an awful long time. And so all it takes is for something like that to happen, and, and, you, and you lose that game. You, you know, one play doesn't get made. One swing of a bat from Anthony Santander, and he pops one out in the ninth inning, and, and they win. I mean, those things happen, and when you're talking about a sample size of 19 games, uh, to have the uh, opportunity here this afternoon to win 18 of the 19 at the major league level is just, it's unheard of. I think it's happened, you know, twice. And so, you know, it's, 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 it's just, it's remarkable because even bad baseball teams win games, uh, but not in this case, at least not many, not more than one. And right now, that's really the difference in this division. Um, I mean, you're five up. There's a four-game difference in, in the loss column between the Rays and Yankees against the Baltimore Orioles. That's the difference potentially between winning and losing this division. And, and that's what we say all the time. You know, it, it's, when you're talking about a division that's going to be tightly contested, if you haven't also ran a rebuilding team, anybody like that that is on the down and outs, you have to stomp them. You, you, you don't win the season series or, or dominate the season series. You have to put them away because, you know, this happened not that long ago between the Red Sox and the Yankees. And literally the division, you know, the, 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 the difference in the division, you know, first place, second place, you know, playoffs, wild card, or out of the playoffs, it came down to what they did, you know, against the Orioles. And this is the same thing that's happening right now, and you're right. It'll be very interesting to see at the end of the year who wins the division. You, know, you, you, you assume they, they do their thing. They handle their business. It's the Rays. Their record against the Orioles, the Yankees' record against the Orioles. What difference is that in games, and what difference will it be at the end of the season? And I'll bet you, like you just said, I'll bet you it's really close. And so that's why when you play these teams, beat the teams you're supposed to beat, you have to do that. And this Rays team can actually get better during the course of this week. They've gotten Pete Fairbanks back. He's yet to pitch. They're getting close to getting Fire Eisen back, Matt Whistler back. He's going to pitch in the Florida Complex League tomorrow, we're told by Kevin Cash. Uh, and then David Robertson. How good can this bullpen become uh, compared to what it already is? Well, it's already the, the best bullpen in the American League, maybe the best bullpen in Major League Baseball. And that's with running through how many – different guys have made an appearance for them you know how many different guys have recorded a save or are we at 12 now i, I mm -hmm. think that it is 
um, it, it's pretty incredible the number of bodies that have moved through that bullpen, and statistically, they're as good as it gets. Now you're talking about adding impact arms. You know, not just, not just guys that we feel like if we put them in the right situation, they can get the job done. These are impact arms that are going to be added. Oh, by the way, for the stretch run, oh, by the way, they're fresh and ready to go. While a lot of other teams, you know, their bullpen may be strong right now, but these guys have been getting it done all year long, and maybe they're running on fumes at this point. Where the Rays already have the best bullpen, they're adding impact pieces, and they're fresh. I mean, to me, that kind of sounds like a really nice setup for the stretch run and a really nice setup for a long run through the playoffs. It does. B, we got about a minute. Tell me, put your pitcher's hat on. How would you attack this Rays lineup, which is second in the big leagues now in runs scored? Wow. Uh, that's a good question. You have to make them uncomfortable. Um, we don't see this too much anymore, but I would move some feet. I, I, would, I would pitch. I thought that last night, and I made the point in the first inning, John Means was really good with his glove side fastball. And I said for him to have success tonight, sustained success, he is going to have to be very good to his glove side, meaning in on the righties, and then all of a sudden that opens up the outside part of the plate. So for me, against this raised lineup, you have to command both sides of the plate, and you have to mix it up, you have to keep them honest, but most importantly, you've got to command both sides. If you're sloppy on one side and really good on the other, that's not going to be good enough. You've got to be good on both sides. If you do that, you'll get their respect, and all of a sudden you'll start getting some weaker swings. That's what we saw from Means last night through the first five, six innings. And then I think he got a little tired. He missed some pitches out over the plate, and the Rays were able to get him out of that game. B.A., great stuff. Have a good call today, and we'll see you at Tropicana Field tomorrow. All right, boy. Neil, have a great day, bud. Well, we continue on this week in Rays baseball, and we take a look at the minor league side. And one of the many guys who's been performing well on the pitching side is Ian Seymour, who now joins us. Uh, after his first start with Bowling Green following a promotion. Ian, thanks very much for a few minutes. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Congrats on the promotion. Give us an idea what this first full year of minor league baseball has been like after you were drafted last season. It's just so nice to play baseball again. It had been a really long time since I was able to like go out there, compete, get in my routine and all stuff like that. So there's clearly a ton that I still have to work on, and I'm just excited to be able to do that every single day now that there's actually competitive baseball going on. I know the Rays were very excited about you when they drafted you last year out of Virginia Tech. This year you had to deal with a little bit of an injury to start. How did it happen and what was the effort like to come back from it? Yeah, it was weird. Like I had ended up having a bruise in my elbow, which I'd never really heard anything about before. And it, I mean, obviously it was very frustrating because it was my first year and I had to miss like a little bit of spring training, but the training staff was just so great and I've never felt better now. So, I mean, it was like a little bit of a buildup to get back up and finally get to Charleston. But I mean, yeah, I, I feel totally healthy. Like no issues now, even stronger than I was before. So did that happen while you were kind of ramping up back at home or did it happen when you got to Port Charlotte? Uh, yeah, it was my first live outing down in Port Charlotte and it just something didn't feel totally right. But I mean, I took like two weeks off throwing and then started throwing again and nothing's happened since. Like it's been totally, totally fine. You've put up great numbers so far. I think you've had you had double digit strikeouts in your first game for Bowling Green. You've had a couple of double digit strikeouts while they also manage your innings. What have you learned so far this year about yourself pitching wise and how have you grown? Yeah, so that's been something that I've really been working on. It is almost like learning how to use my pitches because in college, like they just call everything for you. So there really wasn't much thought 
going on for for me out there. So that's been a, a really big thing for me. Just learning how my pitches play off of each other, what pitches to throw and what counts, like reading different swings and stuff like that. So that's been that's been the more exciting process for me lately. It's just learning how my stuff plays off of each other. I know your stuff took a big jump the end of your time at Virginia Tech. What does your stuff look like now? What are you using more of? Yeah, so actually, I would consider myself a, a bit of a different pitch than I was back at school because I have more weapons now. So I'm throwing a cutter, slider more consistently. So two different pitches there. And then I also started mixing in a curveball, whereas in college, I was really just predominantly fastball changeup. Where Like I'm still throwing my changeup at a good clip, but I have those other weapons to play off of it now. And I'm learning more and more how to use them and when to use them, where to throw them in the zone and stuff like that. So it's been pretty fun learning about that. And is the fastball two seam, four seam or both? Uh, it's just a four seam. I throw it at the top of the zone. And how much of the analytics have come into play in terms of how you use it and how helpful have the rays been? in terms of just understanding what your stuff does. Yeah, no, they're really helpful with communicating like, okay, your fastball has a very unique movement and it's going to play well in this area. So let's just work on throwing it in that area and simplify things. So it also helps with just commanding your pitches because you're not, you don't need to be too specific with where you throw it. Just like in this general area at the top of the zone, throw it as hard as you can and good things are going to happen. Has your velocity continued to climb? I know that I think if I remember right, it had jumped up a little bit before you were drafted, right? Yeah, no, so it's it's been like probably 92, 94. I've been up to 96 or 97 this year. So it's definitely much higher than it was at college. So, I mean, that's always a good thing. And what's been the biggest adjustment for just the life of professional baseball? Because you're traveling um, a lot more than you would in college. Obviously, you're playing more games. It's a different schedule. What's that been like? Yeah, it was just, it took me a little bit to develop my routine between starts because it's a different schedule. You're in a different place. It kind of demands... Uh, different things from you than it it did in college. So it was just developing that routine, finding the things that make me feel good, finding the things that help me perform at my best, and then sticking to those things every single day, no matter what. And how much do you use, I guess, this what last month, month and a half to kind of figure out, okay, not only how do I finish strong, but how do I also figure out how I want to, you know, get ready for next season too? Yeah. So basically right now, my main focus is like building off of every start before. So right now I'm really working on commanding those breaking pitches as consistently as possible because those are the new newer pitches that I'm throwing in games and competitively and so if I can get those to the level of where my changeup command and my fastball command is then that'll that'll be really exciting for me so that's been my main focus in each outing is just to build off of that and uh, be as efficient as possible when I'm out there and then obviously like once the year ends I'll, I feel so great like it'll be exciting to have a full offseason uh, going into next year and starting it healthy this time. And was it what has it meant to get a promotion in the middle of your first season? Um, yeah, that was really exciting. I actually um, I wasn't really expecting it I, just because it was my first year and I started the year hurt. But Blake Butera called me last Sunday and he was like, hey, you're moving up to Bowling Green. So the next day I just kind of packed up and drove uh, out to Kentucky. And from a competition level, what have you learned from facing professional hitters and how is it different from college? I would say one thing is that in college, there were like team-wide approaches. So it was like the whole team would do the same thing. So it was like a lot of similar at-bats, whereas now it's more individual at-bats and like you have to attack guys differently. Whereas in college, like they all were preached the same philosophies. So that, it's kind of like an interesting, interesting way to attack guys, or a different way to attack guys now. Well, so far so good for you. We're glad that you're back and healthy. We're glad you're having a lot of success and hopefully continued success. And thanks for being with us on This Week in Race Baseball. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's great catching up. And that is Rays prospect Ian Seymour. So far this year, he has a 2.45 ERA, and in 40 innings, 
He has struck out 69, given up just 20 hits and 14 walks. Coming up, Ozzie Timmons on the outfield play and base running. Denard Spann on a fun charity event at Tropicana Field that you can attend. And Kevin Burkhardt of Fox Sports on the MLB playoff races. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on This Week in Rays Baseball, and joining us now is first base coach and hitting instructor Ozzie Timmons, who works with the outfielders as well. And Ozzie, how pleased have you been overall this year with the outfield play? Uh, it's been great, man. Uh, the guys have been working well together out there. You can't say enough about Kevin Kiermaier in center field uh, being a leader out there because he controls the outfield every time he moves. He moves the guys with them. It helps to have two other center fielders out there with you, possibly three, with Manny Margot, Brett Phillips, and Randy Rosarena. And then you still got Austin Meadows, who plays just the corners. So we got a good group of guys that can also run very well, so it makes it pretty efficient outfield. Has it been the best outfield you've worked with, just because you've got so many guys who are natural center fielders? No doubt. Uh, one of the best outfields I've ever worked with. And uh, But I've been up, this is my fourth year here with the Rays, and I've been fortunate to have Kevin Kiermeyer. Every year I've been here, so it makes my job a lot easier because he's a perfect leader to have out there because of the way he works and he leads by example. And, and it starts in spring training. He's always the first guy in line setting the tone for everybody else. And he puts the pressure on everybody else to work hard starting in spring training. How much has it helped, though, him to have those other guys like Brent and, and Manny who can give him a day off in center field, keep his legs fresh, but also know that those guys have so much range, too, that you guys as a group can cover so much ground. Oh, it helps him a ton because he don't feel like he has to make every play. He trusts those guys out there. So now he really just has to worry about one little area in center field instead of trying to cover all the gaps and everything else. So with that being said, you know, Brett Phillips, Manny Margot, Randy Rosarena, and, and uh, Austin Meadows out there, it makes his life a little easier. And like you said, give him a couple of days off where you can throw Manny Margot in center field, you can throw Brett Phillips in center field, and you don't miss a beat. And when you guys get into late-game situations, there has to be an extreme comfort factor when those three guys, uh, no knock on either Randy or Austin, but when you've got Margot Phillips and KK in the outfield, that there's not going to be much that's going to fall between them. It's, it's extreme confidence, and I know it makes Kevin Cash's job a lot easier when he puts those three guys out there. You can almost just say nothing falling out there. And then, you know, they're good at cutting balls off on top of that. And if a ball's in the air longer than four or five seconds, you got a pretty good chance it's going to be caught. And you brought up a point I was going to touch on. The fact that they can cut balls off, there have been numerous times where they turn, I think, doubles into singles. How much does that change in your mind the way, you know, opposing teams have to attack the pitching staff too? Because it takes three hits to score a run a lot. Oh, 100%. I mean, when they when they keep that double play in order, I tell you what, those pitchers feel good about it, especially if a ball's crushed pretty good and they're like, oh, they're running the backup second, backup third. Next thing you know, the man's still stuck at first. And with that being said, all three of those guys, AK, Phillips, and Mario, they all throw the ball well. Rosarena, you wouldn't think it, but he throws the ball very well. And I think sometimes his defense gets overlooked because of the way he swings the bat. And the same thing with Austin. And Austin's been working his butt off this year, you know, to get better out there. And he has. I wanted to touch on that. He made a throw on the last homestand that surprised me a little bit. Just how, how accurate and the arm strength that he provided. How much of that can you do in season to improve? And, and what has he done to, to grow the most? 
Oh, you can you can improve it every day during the season. I know a lot of people think it's a grind, but he comes out, he long tosses, he comes and grabs me and lets me know he wants to throw to the bases, and all of it's starting to pay off. You know, early on he struggled a little bit, but you talk about that throw he made the other day. It's a thing, a product of repetition. And like I say, you watch KK go out there doing BP. He clears everybody out the way in center field so he can get his work in. And that's including ground balls and everything. And I think it's rubbed off on Austin because Austin wants to be out there through nine innings. He don't like getting taken out the game late in the game, but he understands that these guys are a little bit better than him, but he continues to work his butt off. And like you say, he long tosses. He finds Manny Marco, who don't mind long tossing. Our outfielders have done a great job long tossing and keeping their arms strong. How do you find that balance right now, Ozzy? You know, you touched on it earlier that it is a grind. Uh, to make sure that guys get their work in, but also don't overwork because you want to continue to keep guys healthy all the way through October. Like I always tell the outfielders, if you can long toss at least three times out of seven days, that would keep your arm strong. And sometimes those guys are going four or five days long tossing. And then the days they don't long toss, they make sure they continue working on their accuracy by throwing to the bases. And it's not anything strenuous, but get used to making that good long hop so you don't have to try to make the long throw all the time in the air. So when you use that that turf or the grass to your advantage where you can get that good skip, it may, it takes a lot of pressure off your arms. So it's not it's not taxing when you do long toss before the game to make sure your arm stays healthy. Do you have to almost uh, you know tell them to slow down a little bit or 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 take a day every now and then? It sounds like you know I know with KK and and it sounds like the rest of the group they they have put in a ton of work. Oh yeah, but my thing is I always tell them during BP just play five balls game situation out of a round of BP. And that's not a lot of work. And the throws we take, it's only three or four, maybe five if, they not, if they're not feeling their accuracy is good. And they'll, they'll say, give me one more, give me one more. But it's, it's not a taxing type of throw. We're not trying to throw the guy out ninth inning of, of the game. We're just working on our accuracy and our consistent one hops. And like I say, one hops are the best throws for an infielder to take because they're already low to the ground. They can easily put the tag on. So when we do our work, it's not taxing work. And on top of that, um, you know, you guys have done so many little things well, and I think that allows this group to win games late. And base running is a part of that, too. How pleased have you been with the way this group has run the bases and taken the extra base? Oh, I've been very pleased because in the past we have made a lot of base running blunders in the previous years. And now the guys are more in tune to it. They understand they're taking it serious. And what they think about is what can I do for my teammate that's hitting behind me to get in a position to score for them? So when they they look at who's out in the outfield, we all talk about what outfielders can throw and what outfielders don't throw well and who we can take advantage of. So when we take, when we see that, we're going to take that extra base. And we know to shut it down when we know a guy that can throw up. It's a part of thinking and knowing who can do what on the opposing team and what we can take advantage of. So in, in your mind, who's been the best base runner of the group this year? Because to me, there have been a lot of good ones. Who, who do you, who grades out the best to you and why? You can always go with KK, Lamar goes the Phillips. But I tell you what, Brandon Lyle's been smart on the bases. Wander has done a pretty good job since he's been up here. And a person you don't think about is Zanino. You know, he don't have the greatest of speed, but he's smart. He knows when to do it, when to take advantage of it. He tagged up from second on a ball in center field because probably the guy was in bad position to throw. And now he was able to take third. 
now he's in scoring position. So Zanino might be the biggest surprise of them all because you don't think of him as a burner, but he's really smart and he knows who he can take advantage of in outfield. I'll tell you what, another person that pays attention to it also is Cruz. He's always looking to take the extra base. And he hasn't been here long, but he he show he runs hard all the time. So it, it instills that into the younger players. Like, look, this guy at 41 is running, busting his butt, trying to go first or third. Why can't we do it? So for the short amount of time that he's been here, but it's paid off with guys watching how he goes about his business. And, and I would guess, you know, to the average fan, what they see with base running is guys who can steal bases. What you probably see is guys who make the right decisions all the time on the bases, correct? Exactly. Who can go first or third? Who can score from second, you know, on that hard line drive to the outfielder where you think he might not be able to score? Or the guy that tags, because the, the outfield is not in a good position to come through the ball and throw. Now he takes, he scores on that ball because the guy's not in position to throw. And so that's the stuff you look for. Yeah, the base stealers, they the base stealers. Yeah, it's exciting to see a guy steal a base. But no, like you say, nobody pays attention to that guy that goes first or third and ends up scoring on a wild pitch or a sacrifice fly. I see good stuff. Let's hope the uh, good outfield play and good base running continues all the way through October. 100%. Let's keep it going, Neil. And that's Rays first base coach Ozzie Timmons off the field. The Rays and former Tampa Bay player and now executive Denard Spann have a great event coming to Tropicana Field. You can attend September 23rd. It'll benefit the Denard Spann Foundation. And Denard, thanks for joining us. Tell me what it means to have this event. Uh, you know what? It, it is an unbelievable, I don't even know what the, the word I want to use, but it's just, you know, we're just so looking forward to uh, just being able to, you know, have an, an awesome, unbelievable um, event at the Trop. Um, it, it's uh, I'm humbled just, you know, just to be able to, to partner up with the Rays. Uh, the Rays do unbelievable work in the community as well. Um, so, yeah, so we're just looking forward to, um, you know, just putting on an awesome event um, for our foundation and also represent, representing the Tampa Bay Rays. So tell us a little bit about the event. Uh, fans obviously may want to attend it. It's back on, on the field. I plan to have uh, two or three guys at the event uh, fr- from the team to, to help me present a, a few special items to uh, to some special families so um but yeah but basically yeah the, the event is going to be a, a a multi-course meal upscale meal um this is going to be a, a wonderful night where the community gets together we're going to talk about my foundation try to enlighten everybody on, on you know what i'm doing and and um you know hopes that uh, everybody just has a good time bring their appetite um, and just, it just it'll just be a, a, a unbelievable night where everybody can um, connect. Now, this is something that has obviously been very close to your heart, the Denard Span Foundation. Tell us a little bit about the foundation, when you formed it, and why you formed it. Yeah, this foundation is, is near and dear to my heart because it's basically, it's basically my, my life story. I grew up in a single mother home right here in, in Tampa, Florida, and um, that, that's what my, my foundation is geared towards helping is, is single mothers. Um, slash single parents. We, we don't discriminate. Uh, you know, if it's a single father out there that that's uh, you know stepping up to the plate and, and just coming up a little short, um, you know, we're, we're there to, to help them out as well. Uh, yeah, my, my foundation started. I believe this is hard because I I, I started doing charitable things um, in this area before it actually became a foundation. But I would have to say, if I could uh, go back, it probably say 2013 ish is when it like it became official. And it's, it just has evolved into what it is now. And, and the last three years, we've been able to um, have a, a transportation program um, that kind of mimicked off of work done with him uh, giving out homes in, in the area. And uh, we, we said we wanted to uh, help families 
uh, single 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 mothers and, and their families get into brand new transportation. Um, you know, growing up as a kid, I, I, I knew how important reliable transportation was for you know for my mom to have to get us. Um, myself and my brother to and from all of our uh, extracurricular activities to and from school um, and also for her to get to work as well. So um, th th this is our, our major our, our major program. In addition to we have a grocery program and a brand new program as well with a, a scholarship program that we plan to kick off hopefully in, in 2022. So, um, yeah, we, we, you know, we, we're 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 getting going um, it's just with our foundation, we're, we're look, you know, starting off small and but, uh, you know, we're just looking forward to continuing to grow and, and, and bringing uh, awareness to our foundation. And you've got your obviously your wife um, is now helping you out as well with this. Yes. Yes, she is. Yes, she's uh, this, she's full fledged um, helping us out, helping me out, I should say, uh, other than uh, her full time job, which is taking care of the kids and the household. The foundation is um, right there, up there, next on that list. What does it mean for you, Dinar, to be able to be able to help and see the the look on either a single mom or single dad's face or a child's face to be able to help them out in some way, shape, or form? It's the best feeling in the world. And the reason why I say that is because just all of the hard work, um, just from the community, everybody coming together. Um, you know, it's, it's, this isn't me that's doing this. You know what I mean? It's, it's everybody collectively um, within my network of people coming together for, for um, a great cause, something that, that, that they believe that I'm going to do right uh, through our foundation. Um, but it's, it's just the best feeling in the world um, when we've been able to hand over keys um, to a family just to see their reaction. It's, it's priceless. And um, if you have a heart, it, it will definitely tug at it. Now, the event again is on September the 23rd at Tropicana Field. How can people get tickets, Denard? If, if you're on social media, you uh, you can go to my page, which is Denard Spam, and my you go to the link in my bio. If, if you go to um, our foundation page, which is Denard Spam Foundation, um, on Instagram as well, and, and I believe on Twitter, it's the same same uh, same as is what what it is on on Instagram. And there's a link there. If, if you don't have social media, you can visit our website at denardspanfoundation.org. Well, either way, I hope it's a really, really great event, Denard. We appreciate you joining us for a few minutes on This Week in Race Baseball. And we look forward to not only the successful event here, but hopefully future events to come with the race. I appreciate it, Neil. And that's Denard Span. And again, you can get tickets to that September 23rd event at denardspanfoundation.org slash dinner at Tropicana. Joining us now from Fox Sports to discuss the playoff races, Kevin Burkhardt. Kevin, with five weeks to go, what surprises you in the American League as we come down the stretch? I'm not surprised with how things are looking. You know, it, let's put it this way, Neil. If I just parachuted in and didn't watch anything and came in today and saw the standings, I really wouldn't be surprised. But judging how the season has gone, I mean, the big surprise is the Yankees, right? I mean, they looked like they were completely toast. They've come to life, especially with those deadline deals and the way the pitching has, has pulled together. Some good stories there for them. So I think that is the surprise. If you're talking about the actual teams or, um, you know, the way things are, are set up right now, that, you know, the Rays will be playing as well as they are and the Astros and White Sox win their division, I'm, I'm not surprised at that at all. Right now, you would have two wild cards coming out of the American League East. Are there enough games between the two teams that Oakland can make a run at this still? Obviously, they're playing the Yankees right now. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think the Red Sox and Yankees will both make it. I mean, I, I think the Red Sox hit their bad slump. You know, I mean, look, they, they, they were playing so well, and I think for a while, a little over their heads. And that's a credit to Alex Cora. But I, I think they've hit their bad turn and, you know, starting to pick it back up again. You know, the sale coming back is obviously a huge lift to them. And so I think they're going to be fine. You know, I mean, you still wonder if the rest of that rotation can hold their weight, and that'll be a question. But, I mean, if you're asking me right now, I, mean, I like the Yankees and Red Sox to stay right where they are. Which would make for a very entertaining wildcard game if things hold in terms of the division races. Toronto still has 10 games at Baltimore. And while they are a distance from the other clubs, if they were to run the table or go 9-1, and one, does that give them a chance to get back in this? You know, it's been a really good season for them. And, you know, obviously a lot of great stories on their team. Their offense is completely insane. You know, Robbie Ray's in the mix for Cy Young. I, I just don't know if it's a lot to ask, right? I mean, even if they are playing Baltimore a million times, sometimes sometimes you get to that point, it's actually harder to beat the real bad teams, you know? I mean, it, it really is. So I, I would say no. I think they've had a heck of a year. And and look, anything could happen, Neil. But I, I, I just think that's a lot to overcome for them you know, with the month to go, essentially. If we are to, you know, end up with the five teams you would expect then, the Rays, the J, uh, excuse me, the Rays, Yankees, Red Sox, White Sox, and Astros, which of those five teams has a leg up in your mind and why? Well, I, I like the White Sox pitching the best. And, and to me, it's still, you know, you still win, you know, with pitching, right? So even though, you know, the Rays overall have tremendous pitching top to bottom, and, and you, you know that better than anybody, right? I mean, they have a lot of different options they can pull. If you're looking at a starting staff and a bullpen, that is the best. I think it's Chicago. Now, I do have some concerns about their back end. It's starting to show some leaks, right? Kimbrell hasn't been terrific since going there. You know, Hendricks has been, you know, had a really good year, an all-star year, but he's he's had some moments. So that would concern me. But I I, I think overall, I like their pitching staff the best. I, I guess we'll see who's playing the best, you know, in the last month. I mean, I really do believe in, in momentum, too. I think that's a big deal. But, you know, I, I just like the sturdiness of that White Sox pitching staff. The one argument that's been made against the White Sox is the fact that they have a losing record against teams with winning marks so far this year. Does that mean anything to you? No, it means nothing. I don't. I mean, I, I, I know I've heard that argument, too. And, you know, take into consideration their division stinks. So they haven't played a lot of winning teams, right? I mean, like, they, you know, they, they play who's on your schedule. And, yes, they have a losing record. I don't know. I, I don't think that that merits whether or not they're going to win or lose in the postseason. To me, what determines their success is having Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert back to join a lineup that makes it really, really potent now. That's the other thing people forget about them is, you know, they, they had insane injuries this year. I mean, you know, big time stars that were out for a long, long time. So, you know, they're still kind of mending back together. But I really like to. I like their starters in a postseason series. So I could care less what the record is against winning teams right now. The one, to me, of all the surprises uh, of the teams that would be in the postseason or wouldn't be in the postseason, I think everyone wanted to hand the crown over to San Diego. And the fact that they're on the outside looking in right now and, and the way they are right now surprises me a bit. You? It does. And, and they've had some injuries too, obviously, but it's more than that. I mean, I think the thing with San 
Diego is, you know, they were so exciting, you know, early in the year and the way they were playing and they were playing with attitude, you know, they, they were beating the Dodgers head to head and, and, and just, they really had some mojo, right? And their offense has been a complete zero other than Tatis, which is shocking to me. I, I, I didn't see that coming. You know, Darvish being hurt for them doesn't help. Their bullpen, which was airtight, has, has sprung some leaks, but really just starting pitching. They are, they are in deep trouble starting pitching-wise, and they've been for a while. Snell has been a disappointment, you know, in a big way for them. So I did not see this. I, I thought they would certainly have enough to get the wild card. I didn't think they were going to win the division, but they have completely hit the skids you know give credit to Cincinnati they've kept playing right I mean even though they've had a massive bullpen issues their offense is so good they've kind of overcome it so yeah that one is a little bit of a shock deal I I didn't think put it this way at the all-star game I thought the Padres were a lot for the postseason now I, I the way they're looking since I don't think there's any chance and the biggest surprise overall in the league you know from the beginning of the year has to be the San Francisco Giants are they who is the favorite in the National League in your mind well, it's still the Dodgers because they're the best team, you know, no matter where they stand in the, in the, they just are right. And when you're talking about Walker Bueller and Max Scherzer, <laughs> one, two in a playoff series, it's kind of a joke, right? But everyone, you know, Neil, I, I think there's a lot of similarities to the Rays in terms of this. Everyone just dismisses them, right? Everyone dismisses, happens to the Rays all the time, certainly happened to them last year, uh, right? Uh, there, no one thinks they can win. And, and then here they are on the World Series, giving the Dodgers everything they can handle. And here they are this year in first place but four games I think everyone just misses the Giants like it's oh well they're lucky you know they're I mean they're lucky they're 40 games over 500 (laughs) the thing that I like about them it's two things a Gabe Kapler has really grown as a manager I mean he, he really has and he's he's been introspective and you know, talk to his players and learn how to be, I think, an excellent big league manager. And I like Gabe a lot, personally. And, you know, look, they've had some resurgent years from Posey and Crawford and the older guys, Bell, right? But it's it's more than that. It's like they're, they're mixing and matching. Guys have their platoon roles. You know, they've mixed and matched bullpen well. Basically, they don't beat themselves. And, and that's where I think the similarity of the Rays comes in. Very rarely do you watch one of their games, much like Tampa, where – They lose it themselves. They're good defensively. They've got a really good bullpen. They're good on the bases. And so it's hard to beat them. If you make a mistake, you're probably going to lose the game. So that's what I like about them. Everyone thinks they can't win the World Series. I mean, I know they're light starting pitching, but I'm like, why not? I mean, they they win close games. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? No question. I mean, look, with Kansas City, do they have a great rotation several years ago when they won? I mean, that's why I think it's more about the overall staff than it is about the bullpen. Yeah, I can agree with that. Look, I still like having a horse, an ace, in in the playoffs, um, no question. But I agree with you, especially the way the game is today. Totally. Kevin, good stuff. We appreciate a few minutes, and certainly we'll be watching on, uh, on Fox in the weeks to come. Neil, always great to catch up, my man. And that is Kevin Burkhart of One Fox Sports, and we certainly thank him and all our guests on the show today, including Drew Rasmussen, Rays pitcher, Brian Anderson of Valley Sports Sun, prospect Ian Seymour, first base coach Ozzie Timmons, and Denard Spann of the Rays front office. If you ever have something that you want to hear on the program, all you have to do is tweet me, at Neil Solons. On next week's program, you're going to hear from lefty Shane McClanahan, that and a whole lot more as we move down the stretch. Thanks to my producer, Rob Roman. I'm Neil Solon. Stay tuned. The pregame show is next. We're over at Hooters on Gandhi Boulevard in Tampa with a race watch party as well. And you're listening to the Race Baseball Network. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Breaking ball lifted to the air, way up there, in the right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. Gone! 
and the Rays jump in front four to one. If you missed any of the show, catch it on archive at RaysBaseball.com slash radio.